Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Friday, April 10th. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Cyberpunk 2077 is on track for its September release, according to CD Projekt Red. Blizzard isn't sure about BlizzCon for 2020 yet. Final Fantasy XIV's next update has been delayed, but that's okay, because today marks the release of Final Fantasy VII Remake. CD Projekt Red commits to its September release for Cyberpunk 2077. CD Projekt Red's CFO, Piotr Nilubowicz, apologies for the pronunciation there, which I am almost 100% certain I got wrong, but in any case, he recently took to YouTube to share some financial updates for CD Projekt Red. The video's a little awkward, with Nilubowicz looking as though he has been taken hostage, but it's really a video meant for investors and not really meant to generate hype for CD Projekt Red's future, but there were some interesting details in there, mainly about cyberpunk 2077 and that it is still fully on track for its september 17th 2020 release date in the video neil lubowitz said due to the outbreak of the coronavirus pandemic the cd project team has been working from home since mid-march we're giving it our all and thanks to the tools at our disposal we have been able to maintain all continuity of our efforts our goal is clear in september We intend to deliver to gamers around the world our greatest production yet, Cyberpunk 2077. The entire past year was a very intensive period for us. Development of Cyberpunk entered its final, most critical stage, where we put the finishing touches to the game. In parallel, the next phase of our global promotional campaign elevated interest in the game even further. To add some veracity to things... Apparently, moving along smoothly, CD Projekt studio head Adam Badowski tweeted a follow-up to a March tweet that read, We just submitted at Cyberpunk Game to age rating agencies around the world, Peggy, ESRB, etc. While we wait for the game to get rated, we work on polishing technical aspects and playtesting it. Game is looking better and better with each passing day. Badowski's tweet today responded to that tweet, and it read, Very happy to share some progress on this. Cyberpunk 2077 has already been rated by the vast majority of ratings boards around the world. The rest of the financial video from Nilubowitz shared growth percentages for the company, reminded investors that there is an online store to buy CD Projekt merch now, and also highlighted the Switch version of The Witcher 3, saying that it sold very, very well, which contributed a lot to the company's 2019. I think Cyberpunk 2077 is the game most expected to receive a delay and not come out in 2020. And that was before any of these COVID-19 issues. It's just a game that seems more and more impossible every time they show it. All of this information does inspire confidence, though. They've basically got five months to finish this thing up, and I really hope they will. Blizzard isn't sure about BlizzCon 2020. 
BlizzCon, Blizzard's annual conference, where it makes big announcements related to all its various franchises, Overwatch, Diablo, World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, etc., usually happens in November. But Blizzard is trying to be upfront with fans and let them know that may not be the case this year. In a blog post on the BlizzCon website, BlizzCon's executive producer, Sarah Lynn Smith, wrote, A gaming convention is probably the last thing on most people's minds right now, and that goes for many of us at Blizzard too. As events around the world announce cancellations, postponements, or shifts to an online format in response to COVID-19, we're seeing questions about our plans for this year's BlizzCon, and we want to provide a quick update. The short version, as the blog post outlines, is Blizzard isn't really sure what November is going to look like. Smith writes, While we're all hopeful things will look better later in the year, the bottom line is that at this point it's too early to know whether BlizzCon 2020 will be feasible. The health of our community, employees, and everyone who helps with the show is our top consideration. It might be a few months before we know for certain if or how we'll proceed, but as soon as we have a meaningful update, we'll share it. We do want to mention that prior to the recent events, we had been actively working to finalize our plans and, in fact, are still doing so despite the workplace changes we've now made at Blizzard. That includes considering a range of scenarios and possibilities, not just in terms of the show, but also regarding what the experience would be for you. We know BlizzCon also involves preparation on your part, so we'll do our best to provide as much clarity as we can as quickly as we can. It sounds like there may be some announcements during that November timeframe, even if the event isn't actually taking place. But this blog post isn't a full cancellation. Things generally feel grim right now as it relates to COVID-19, but I don't think it's unreasonable to hope that in November, things might feel close to normal, whatever normal may be after all of this. Final Fantasy XIV's patch, version 5.3, has been delayed. Final Fantasy XIV's producer and director, Naoki Yoshida, published a blog post recently sharing the disappointing news that the game's next big patch, version 5.3, which was planned for June, is going to be delayed, writing, Here in Tokyo, where the FF14 team is located, a state of emergency has been declared, and we have been ordered to take preventative measures to curb further spread of the virus. This, of course, raises questions as to effects on game service and patch development, so I would like to take this opportunity to address those concerns. Yoshida continues in the blog post raising details about why and what specifically led to the delay and wrote, Though it is clear that patch 5.3, which was planned for mid-June, will be delayed because of the above, and of course he's referring to a bunch of little details in the blog post, we are at this time undecided as to whether it will be feasible to limit the delay to two or three weeks or if it will be closer to a month. We are terribly sorry for the disappointment this may cause our players, as we know you look forward to new patches. However, it is also important to prioritize the physical and mental health of our development team, without whom we would never be able to release the quality updates and features you expect from FF14. So, we ask for your understanding as we adjust our schedule in accordance with the situation. This is you know, obviously going to be disappointing for Final Fantasy XIV fans, which are a very passionate bunch. But I also think and hope 
that we have all hit a general point of universal understanding about the situation the world is facing and are happy to wait for entertainment media that we were excited about. And then, plus, today is a pretty exciting day for Final Fantasy fans for other reasons. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Here's what released today. Today is Final Fantasy VII Remake Day, and I hope you're finding some time to celebrate its launch in your own special way. I think most are celebrating it by playing it. I am limiting grocery store runs right now as much as possible, but I basically saved one of those infrequent trips to the store for this morning to see if I could grab a copy at my local Target, and they did have a few, so I was able to grab a physical copy while picking up other necessities. It's two discs, which is always weirdly exciting, especially during this generation when most additional content that can't fit on a disc for a game is added via patch. It reminds me of picking up Red Dead Redemption 2 and opening up the box to see two discs and just thinking, okay, things are about to get serious. They're not messing around. As I type up the script for today's episode, I am actually watching the progress bar crawl along on the data disc's install. It's nearly done. Other fun element about the physical copy of the game is it has reversible art, which is cool. The standard box art has the iconic image of Cloud, Buster Sword on his back, looking toward the city. But the reversible art is just simple, black, with the Final Fantasy VII Remake logo placed just off-center. It's very classy. There was also a sticker on the cellophane that read, PlayStation exclusive, play first on PS4, asterisk, time exclusive until April 10th, 2021. Maybe that date was a known thing. Feel free to let me know with a correction. But is that basically the Xbox slash PC release date for the game? It struck me as odd that that was written on the box. Maybe they're legally obligated to disclose exclusivity details like that. It's super weird. Square and Sony also published a video from Yoshinori Kitase, the producer on the Final Fantasy VII remake that is very sweet. And he thanks fans for waiting for the remake. But the wrinkle is that in the gameplay footage it shows of the game, there's a little bit of legalese text on the bottom that reads, Gameplay Captured on PC. It has not been a secret that Final Fantasy VII Remake is not a lifetime PlayStation 4 exclusive. That has always been known. 
But that odd disclaimer on the video and the sticker on the box are just strange little things that are pointing to the inevitable alternate platform releases in an unexpected way. Some other Final Fantasy VII Remake news that I am wedging here into the new release segment of this episode. Matt Piscatella, a video game industry analyst for the NPD Group, tweeted yesterday, Final Fantasy VII is currently the number two best-selling Final Fantasy game in the U.S. dollar sales, trailing only Final Fantasy XV. I am expecting Final Fantasy VII Remake to be a huge hit. I don't think predicting that Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to be a big hit is a particularly hot take or anything, but I am curious to learn how much of a hit it is going to be. I expect Square Enix will have a press release going out this weekend or maybe Monday touting the incredible record-setting sales of Final Fantasy VII Remake that will use words like fastest or terms like breaking franchise record. I really think it's going to be huge, like exceed even Square Enix's lofty expectations huge. Oh, also, don't forget that if you played the demo, you can grab a free Final Fantasy VII Remake theme for your PlayStation 4 starting today, which is a nice little bonus. I'll put a link to the download in the show notes. Also out today is Scrappers. This one is interesting because it's from Q Games, the studio founded by Dylan Cuthbert, who was integral in the development of Star Fox for the Super Nintendo. And then his studio is known for games like Pixel Junk Monsters and Shooter, among other games. Scrappers is an Apple Arcade exclusive game about cooperative trash collection in the future, and it sounds really funky, and it looks pretty cool. I am curious how Apple Arcade is doing right now. I was pretty gung-ho for it initially. I signed up for the free month trial, fell in love with Grindstone, and also liked that I could direct my kid to focus on trying games from the Apple Arcade section of the App Store because those do not have microtransactions. I paid for a month when the free trial ended, but once I finished Grindstone, I was pretty much done and unsubscribed. Now I see stuff like Scrappers, which sounds cool, but instead of checking it out, I just see the Apple Arcade subscription as a barrier to playing it. It's not particularly expensive at $5 a month, at least not compared to other subscription services, but I don't want to sign up again just to try a single game. I'm curious if others feel the same way. That's it for video game news today. I was finally able to sign up for Google Stadia last night, which I was excited about, using Chrome on my MacBook in my kitchen, which is about eight feet or so above my wireless router. I booted up Serious Sam because I wanted to try a shooter, and it went okay initially. It is honestly kind of magical to boot up a full game without having to download anything. I played for a few minutes, shot some monsters, but then the audio got really, really out of sync with the action. Like, I would fire a gun, and a full five seconds later, I would hear the gunshot. After that, I tried Thumper, a really intense rhythm music game that I thought would be perfect for testing out lag, and it was it was pretty rough. Not unplayable by any means, but enough to make me unsure that rhythm games are going to be doable on Stadia. So definitely a rough first impression. I want to play with it more, though, make sure I'm getting good internet speeds, try it with a wired connection, all that kind of stuff. It's still a lot better than Steam's built-in streaming options, which I have tried in the past. So that's good at least. As I've said before, I want it to be good. I think it has the potential to be good. Hopefully on my end, I just need to tweak some of my Wi-Fi connections to get it really singing, you know, fingers crossed. 
I also wanted to tease here that I spoke with Crowbar Collective, writer and designer on Black Mesa, the Half-Life remake, Benjamin Truman, about what it's like to work on a game for more than a decade, what kind of feedback they got from Valve, and what's in store for the future of the studio now that Black Mesa is released. Here's a little clip from Truman talking about how the announcement of Half-Life Alex lit a little bit of a fire underneath them. When we suddenly realized that the prospect that another Half-Life game might actually be released before we finish this thing, that was like, I think that was, you know, <laughs> just like heads down, nose to the grindstone, like we have to finish this by, you know, end of February, early March, because we cannot allow this to, you know, we, <laughs> we can't allow ourselves to be on the other end of that Half-Life release. You can keep an eye out for that interview as a bonus episode of Gaming Ride Home soon. If you have any corrections or just feedback in general, feel free to send me tweets or DMs to either at Kyle M. Hilliard or at Gaming Ride Home. You can also send me an email, kyle at ridehome.info. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or, you know, wherever. I don't, I don't care. Just any kind of review. It could be negative. I, I'm not going to be super excited about it, but, you know, I want to hear. I want your feedback. You can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator. I feel like every episode I've said I'm almost done with Black Mesa. And... I mean, it's true. I'm in the last chunk of the game, but it turns out Crowbar Collective, which is something I talked to them about in that interview, really overhauled the last portion of the game and stretched it out significantly. It's way bigger than I expected. So the reason that I keep saying, oh, I think I'm near the end is because in the original game, that whole section was maybe like an hour, hour and a half. And now it's like four or five hours. It's crazy what they what they did there. They really, They really went overboard with it in the best way. You can also find me on the MinMax Show for more long-form video game discussion. I will talk to you more about video games on Monday. I am very eager to start Final Fantasy VII Remake. I can't wait to start it. <laughs>